There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. And a Julia show on My Talk 1071, Everything Entertainment. Uh, October still has a week or so to go, a little bit more than that, so it's still time for you to take advantage of October's listener rewards. You can enter to win a furnace from Dean's Professional Plumbing, Heating, and Air, or lots of other wonderful prizes, including gift cards to Michael's, iTunes, Culver's, I love Culver's, and more, plus products from Aveda. Uh, get the app or stream online. Get yourself registered for listener rewards. MyTalk1071.com or the app. Hey, say, has either of you ever been stuck in an elevator? Um, no. No. I was when I was a kid. Oh, my gosh. And I nightmare. still remember it. Mm-hmm. It was in there for a while in our building. How long's a while? Probably an hour and a half. Ooh. Yeah, and I uh, was stuck between floors, and they finally got somebody, and they had to, you know, pry the doors open and pull us up. You know, I, yeah. it's like that really has stuck with me after all these years. Oh, well, I believe you it. I'm, my dad worked in the building where it had an elevator operator. Mm-hmm. And I loved seeing the glass of the floors that when you would climb up and how if you weren't right at the spot, you would have to step out or something right. to get out. The young Quinlan building, you have it mm-hmm. in Minneapolis as well. Um, I just think I would die. That would be a hard one. Yeah. Well, if you were in an elevator and And it plummeted to the bottom, you you would be dead. And Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This book is so good. We're just talking about elevator pitch. That's why Donnie brought it up. That was our author that we just had on. My mom would not go to the top of the World Trade Center um, because she did not like the look of the elevator. And when they said at the bottom, you know, is it sways. There, it sways. She mm-hmm. was like, absolutely not. Am I going up there? So mm. my mom stayed at the bottom. And then my brother and my aunt, my sister and I. It was the first time any of us had been to New York City. Yeah, I went so. up there with my, you know, ex's family. And oh my gosh, that's a long ride up. It's a long ride up and it is sway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did it myself. Yeah. And like, even wow. the Space Needle, you know, with the outside, those elevators. Yeah, I haven't been up the Space Needle. Yeah, but it's a very scenic. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, Rihanna, the 15-pound the <laughs> book is coming out. GMA had a little, a little report for us, Julia. Yes, they did. So let's uh, throw it over to ABC. The nine-time Grammy Award-winning recording artist and business mogul is working it in her stunning new self-titled visual autobiography, Rihanna. In a statement, she writes, 
We've been working on the book for over five years, and I'm really happy to be able to finally share it with everybody. There's no question she's a phenomenon, and seeing her successes in all of these different areas of her life um, and her career, um, I think is I think it's really inspiring. It's a 15-pound, 504-page book with more than 1,000 photos. She was involved in every single decision that was made about the book. She really wanted the book to be personal, to be intimate, um, and to be really representative as much as it can of her her personal life and what her journey is like. Brianna is sharing many never-before-seen photos as a musician, fashion designer and entrepreneur, from her childhood in Barbados to her rise as an international cultural icon. That's a photograph of her having a moment with her mother and, um, you know, people who, who are on tour with her um, before she goes on to perform. There's always a moment that she takes to reflect, and um, I think it's really powerful in that way. Rihanna marking a new chapter in her already meteoric rise and blazing a trail for others to follow. All right, I, That's I, right. A visual autobiography. It's just pictures yeah. and captions. I know they've basically been doing these types of books, but I love that they've given it a name. That would be so great to be that famous. And you could just put out a visual autobiography of photos with little remembrances. But let me tell I you, mean, you, you got to be it. a big fan. Because well, that's a 15 pound coffee table. It is. Yeah, you can get it. The best price I'm seeing right now is at Barnes Noble, $113. Yeah, that's for the basic edition, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, what you mean comes, there's a fancy what's edition? Comes, oh, yeah. What's in the fancy one? Well, there's the Rihanna Fenty Fadon, the publisher edition. That's 175 because you get the steel tabletop book stand. Oh, oh for my <laughs> word. Now, if you want the luxury supreme... $5,550. No. Damn, no, I don't. That's a signed copy with a cast rosin tabletop book stand. Whoa. <laughs> Some of the things you've learned about Rihanna yeah. from this, that she turns every vacation into a photo shoot, uh-huh. that she was smart early on. She There's a couple money? of her report cards in there, and her teacher says she's clear, clear, great intelligence, super mm-hmm. creative. Okay. Um, we learned that she likes to have great parties. Um and that she is. I don't think any is any of this new. We knew she was. No, smart. I know yeah, it. That's know. just us. Just Magazine seeing... was trying to give us five things we learned from the book, but they haven't even seen it because the book doesn't come out till Thursday. And I have a feeling no press copies are going to be made available no. for this book. Maybe no, just it's for GMA. Watching, <laughs> you know, Robin hold it up. It's a it's a workout book, right? I don't. Do you know how much it's going to cost to ship that thing? Even though you get media places rate. who would have it like would be like. Planet Hollywood, but they're not around anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think of where that would be displayed. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we good wish, luck, Rihanna. I'm sure it'll you all well. sell out. By You're the right. by the way, St. Paul has been added, added to the Eagles Hotel California tour. I know, oh. Lori. Two nights, Friday and Saturday, April 3rd and 4th. Tickets I know. Tickets will go on sale next Friday, Which November is November 1st. 1st. That's right. I've never seen them. Huh? I've never seen I've them. never seen them either. Yeah. These are going to go quick. I Con- love that. It's going to be the whole Hotel California set with a uh, accompanying orchestra and choir, followed by full greatest hits set. So it's going to be a long night. Yeah. So it's Don Henley, Joe Walsh, Timothy B. Schmidt with Deacon Fry and Vince Gill. Yep. Wow. That is the new Eagles. Mm-hmm.
I like it. I know. I love it. that Vince Gill's in it. I know. He's so good. So um, this, we might have to get tickets for yes, this. Yes, I think we do. I love it that they uh, feel so strong with the that they're they got people here who will go to the show that we're getting a Friday and a Saturday. I night. love that. That never happens. No, no that's something, isn't it? Yeah. All right, so there you go. That's that. And then Lizzo went back ahead. Of uh, Travis Scott, highest in the room. She's back to number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Oh, Truth really? Because I yeah. thought I she saw someone ahead. else there. No, she skipped All ahead. Right. She had six weeks consecutively at number right. one. Then Travis Scott bumped her. And then this week, she bumped him. And now she's back to riding the top of the chart. Well, there you go. There you go. Because she's fighting all that other stuff. But She's fighting all that other stuff. And we're going to, we've got like really fantastically curated random thoughts today. Do I've we? really done a beautiful job. All right. So we might as well take a commercial break. Let's do it. All we'll right. be right back. You know, I saw this story the other day. Did you ever notice that? You know, sometimes I wonder what would happen if. And now. Julia's random thoughts. He looks like that puppet. I don't know. He's had cheeky implants. It's just random. That's all it is. Well, are we changing uh, gears? I don't know. Julia got a phone call that Albert Magnoli uh, was in the building. And so she has run out to get Albert. Oh my gosh, he's as cute as we ever thought he was (laughs) when we looked him up. Albert Magnoli, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, you got to play that, Danny. Us. You Thank know, you. we're huge, of course, you know, Prince Prince fans. Like uh so many, so many people are. And I, you know, I I think it was was it Rolling Stone that did this great story a couple years ago about the wild, wild the whole story of really how Purple Rain came to be. Because you're you're like only a few years, a couple years older than Prince. Yes. Right? Four years older. All right. So tell us how you came to be. <laughs> The, the main man besides Prince. Yeah, no, no, it's such a great thing. story. But what happened, I was I was editing a film called Reckless in Los Angeles. And um, Bob Cavallo, who was managing Prince, was looking for a director. They had a script already written. And they were looking for a director. And they, they were getting turned down a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the, because Prince was going to star in it? No, or? because nope. the script wasn't connecting with anybody. Okay. Um, and uh, my director, James Foley, on the film that I was editing called Reckless, he, um, Bob Cavallo came and said, is it possible that Jamie Foley would like to direct this? So he looked at James, the, the film and he liked it and he said, um, would he be interested? And I said he would be interested. Um, it turned out that 24 hours later, James wasn't interested because he had read the script. And thought it was crap. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. he didn't want to do it. So I felt so bad for Bob, <laughs> mm-hmm. that I said, let's have breakfast and we can talk about it. And he said, did you read the script yet? And I said, no. So I read the script and I said, let's have breakfast. And during that breakfast, where I just kind of pointed out that um, he did everything right, it's just that in this particular case, he really needed to get a writer-director here in Minneapolis mm-hmm. and sit with the entire gang, the revolution, Morris Day, the whole thing. And really write from the heart, write the authentic story. And Bob said, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, What would the story be? And (laughs) I wasn't even there to tell him any story. But when he asked, I just launched into the pitch. Yeah, literally 10 minutes. And 
by the time I was done, he looked at me and said, that's a damn good story. Now what are you going to do? And I said, you need to send me to Minneapolis and I'll go this weekend, which was 20, 48 hours later. Mm-hmm. And, and is this like summer of 83? This is the, this is literally June of 1983. Okay. Yeah. Because the movie comes out in July of 84. Correct? Yes. Wow. Okay. That's Just how to fast. Get how That's fast how fast this is. Yeah. So they put me on a plane on that Friday. That was Wednesday when I met with Bob. He put me on a plane on Friday. I met with Prince at midnight on Friday evening, Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And um, I told him what I had told Bob. But the difference was now is that having be now being able to see Prince in person, what happened was I realized that there was an amazing amount of vulnerability coming out of him, mm-hmm. that there was an isolation, that there was an aloneness, that there was a solitary aspect to his character. And at that moment, getting that information, I was able to implode my own story with another story, which had to do with the father and the mother mm-hmm. and the violence. And so it all kind of originated, literally, it w- we gave birth to it at that moment. So I told Prince that story. It was literally now about 12.30 a.m. on a Saturday morning at some restaurant on a highway. Yeah. And <laughs> the Lincoln Dow, let's call right. it. And he said, and he said um, okay, let's take a little ride. So we got in his car, and um, we were driving and about silently. And then he said, "Listen, what do you know about me?" And I said, um, "Not much. 1999, mm-hmm. great album, and before that, Little Red Corvette." And he said, "Well, you just told me my life story in the last ten minutes." Wow! Mm. Wow, that is really something. I mean, it is just kind of amazing piece of. Movie making history, and even the fact that Warner Brothers thought so highly of him that they were well, okay. We'll do a but movie. I think well, you. they didn't. They didn't. No, okay. Uh, quite honestly, we're talking about the making of Purple Brain. Yeah. If yeah. you're just joining us, we're with Albert Magna- Magnoli. Magnoli. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good Italian. Yes. Um, no, the interesting thing, the very first meeting we had with Warner Brothers is, you know, now look at you have to understand it from the point of view of Warner Brothers. They have a first-time writer-director, mm-hmm. myself. They have a first-time... And pro- you're like a kid. Yeah, I just them. got out of film school. Yeah. Um, they have a first-time producer, Bob Cavallo, Steve Fargnoli, and Joe Ruffalo, Prince's manager. So they're mm-hmm. coming from the music business, and there's no relationship between music and movie. And right. So they've got that. Then they've got an unknown kid that they know is a... Photogenic, sort of, good yeah, but, voice. but they don't know what is it. They yeah, don't know anything. Yeah, they, yeah. they, they, I don't even know if they've heard his music. I know Warner Records has, but mm-hmm. again, Warner Records and Warner uh, Films, you might as well be on two different planets. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, I'm Bradley Trainer and I'm Don McLean. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like this: A list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. ...inclination is to how to um, be risk-adverse. So their suggestion was that John Travolta play the Prince part. <gasps> oh, oh my God. Can you imagine? That yeah. would have just been horrible. Well, but that, you have to understand oh, it from I their point it. of view. Yeah. John Travolta mm-hmm. at that moment was very important. Mm-hmm. Grease, 
He'll sell the gift Saturday on night, exactly. Saturday night He can fever. play music. Yep. He can do this. And there's nothing wrong with that thought. It's just that what I said when that was suggested, I said, listen, the only thing we really have going for us is authenticity. If mm -hmm. I can't get that, mm -hmm. then there's no reason for us to go through this e exercise. And they understood it, but not from the point of view where they could believe it. So there was, we went back, I came back here, and more discussions ensued. And finally they said, you know, um, we believe in what you're doing, so go and do it. And it was Bob Cavallo then who was tasked with the hard job of trying to bring all Make of this, this happen. business happen. Because I was on my way. I had um, enough money to begin, mm -hmm. and I had a crew uh, from Los Angeles, and I had, you know, Prince the Revolution in the time. Yeah. And how much this money is just did Purple Rain, how much money was Purple Rain made for? Um, the final figure that I was told was about seven point two, seven point four million. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. With what, what was the return? The box office. The return. Thing? Well, the return <laughs> up to date is over a hundred million. Yeah. You know, but but at the time we opened pretty strong, and so I think I can't remember yeah. the opening weekend, it, but we did very well. Right. Yeah. You, right. You knocked Ghostbusters. Yes. Off the charts. That so. was in the second or first week. Yes, yeah. we did. Yeah. So we we're talking with Albert Magnolia, Magnoli, and I'm going to pronounce it. Is that even close? It's Magnolia, yeah. not Magnolia. I mean, Magnolia. I'm Italian, and I can't even say yeah. Italian names. But <laughs> what I am just struck by, Albert, first of all, thanks for coming in. And you're in town for the Twin Cities Film Festival tonight. Yes. And we've told people that there's going to be a free showing of Purple Rain. Tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. It's tomorrow night. Yeah. It is? Yeah. Okay. Good. All right, we give the wrong information. Right, 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 right. You know. Good, that's I'm why glad I'm glad you're here. You're right. right. Today is only Tuesday. Yes. <gasps> All right. Sorry, people who are going there. It's tomorrow night, which yeah. is Wednesday, and um, you're going to be having a Q and A after that's the right. screening of the movie. Right. And so we're so happy that we got you to come in and talk to us. But I am just so struck by here you produce. Um, as part of your thesis at film school, a short film on jazz, you yes. get tons of awards yes. for it. Like more, you broke a Guinness Berg world yes. record on the number of awards. And then the very first film is Purple Rain and you wrote it. Yes. And did you direct it? Directed it and edited it. That's amazing. Yeah. Can you stay with us for a couple more minutes? Sure. Okay. We think they should make a movie out of you making of your the making. story. It's amazing. Making Purple Rain and get a hot guy to play you, and we'll <laughs> just add it. Prince in. And all right, listen. We're with, with Albert Magnoli. We'll be right back. We are so delighted. We have Albert Magnoli with us, and he's the director, writer, and editor of, you know, that movie, Purple Rain, that movie that won Academy Award. Do you remember that night going to the Academy Awards? Sure do. Okay, yeah. tell us a little bit about that. So it's 1985 then. Yes. Going to the Academy Award. Who all was in the group? 
Um, well, was Prince, the movie? It was the song that was not. The song was not. The movie. Not, yeah. Okay. Song was not. And I, Prince was there with Wendy and Lisa. Okay. He, he had gone with them. Of course, he would go yeah. with those two. That's so great. You know, the is the, it a blur of a night? The entire thing is one big blur. Yeah. Sure. Of course. Um, you know, when you make a movie, your job is to get through that day. And we're making it in Minneapolis in the middle of winter, November 1st to <laughs> December 24th. And as I was telling people, I mean, the big snowstorm came two days after we started shooting, eight feet of snow, and it was 80 below zero. Oh. And, Welcome to Minnesota. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's a completely L.A. crew, and we're trying to get around. And it really became important to do the job each and every day. We don't have a clue what it can become because we're just trying to get through the day. And then December 24th, we wrap. I go to Los Angeles, and now I start editing. And you design the film from the editorial standpoint, and you start showing it uh, to the people in that studio setting to get feedback. And you just build it like a building block, and you do it for five or six months. And is Prince involved in any of that? No. no. Okay. No. But he's involved in the sense that one of the things that occurred Right at the beginning, the very second day after I met with Prince, um, I went to his home, the Purple House, mm -hmm. and um, I was in his studio downstairs, and he had a hundred songs that he had produced, and he said, maybe some of these songs could be in the movie. And so we started listening to songs. We spent about four hours listening to those songs and didn't get through all of them. And I said, you know what? Give me the lyrics of all these songs. And I will decide what songs go into the film because I had a linear structure. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted, what I really wanted, I, I wanted the narrative structure to push us into a performance moment. Mm -hmm. And then the performance moment to push us back into the narrative structure. So it was, it was extremely important that the lyrics of that particular song and the performance would do that. It would serve the narrative that came before it and it would propel us into the narrative mm -hmm. that was going to come. Because I did not want to be on stage for the sake of being on stage. Mm. I wanted to be on stage organically because it came out of the narrative. So that was just, just a different way of looking at it. But it was an important way to look at it. And you mentioned my student work at USC, University of Southern California Film School. My thesis film, Jazz, was about that. And I had narrative and I had music, mm -hmm. performance numbers. It was and, like, you, it was perfect that you yeah, did Yeah, and I learned. Movie. It was actually, it was a, a precursor. Yeah. Because I learned about how to use uh, crowds, how to use musicians, and how to use waitresses and people in nightclubs and everything else. And I got to do it on a bigger scale, obviously, with Purple Rain. But I was, I already had the foundation necessary to go in and demand what I needed to demand. I mean, one of the things that was very important for me is that the film look thick with people and so i would ask for 900 extras every day we were in that club set so mm -hmm. that's a lot of money to spend on a little film mm -hmm. but the important thing was that it looked authentic that the clubs came alive and you can only do that when there's people literally there yes. to enjoy the performance that they're seeing and so i think that energy paid off mm -hmm. because you've got the good visual yeah so we're talking about the making of Purple Rain. When I listened to those hundred songs, we were still missing the word, the, the song Purple Rain. L um, you didn't uh, have that as a title that, or anything. That wasn't in there. Um, the, when Doves Cry was not in there. Wow. Okay, so uh, here's a good story about When Doves Cry. You want to hear this? Yeah, all right, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay Julia, right. let's do it. So When Doves Cry, this is really important. During the course of making the picture, 
there were certain scenes I realized that the narrative was going so quick that I didn't need certain scenes to start middle and end mm-hmm. that I could combine these scenes into a, a editorial montage and I needed a piece of music to bridge us. So what I did was it was very early in the morning on a Thursday. I called Prince. He was in LA at the time. And I said, listen, I'm going to come over. I'm going to sit with you. I need a song. And here's why I need this song. So he said, okay. So I go over to the house and I explained to him that here's the theme Here's the images I'm going to use, because he was there when we shot him. He was in those scenes, and I'm no longer going to use as a scene. I'm going to use the material from him to create a montage. So I said, I need a song, and the beat could be fast. It could be a 4-4 tempo, or it can be a 2-4. And the theme is mother, father, you're like them, they're like you, destruction, desperation, violence. Wow. So he says, okay. I, I got it. I leave. It's about 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. Now, what I'm about to tell you are going to blow your mind, but it wasn't special to us. So 11 o'clock the next day, he calls and says, I got the two songs. I, great, I go, great. I get back in the car. I drive to his house. First song I listen to, and I go, that's the quicker temper. And I listen, and I go, that's a good song. Now show me the, give me the other song. He gives me the other song, which is the slower tempo. Temper. temper. Mm-hmm. And... I said, okay, let's go with that song. What's it called? He goes, When Doves Cry. Oh, wow. It was just perfect. That's how easy it was. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm in my lane. He's in his lane. I need it. I have something that needs to be done. He does it. What happens, Albert, when you find out that he passed? Because you were his manager for two years. Yeah. You guys had a long relationship yeah. on your website. It's a tribute to him, yeah. to Prince. How... How did that, where were you? I was in Los Angeles and I was um, at the desk working, writing. And then a friend of mine immediately uh, called and I rarely answered the phone, but this time I did. And um, she said, listen, something just happened and you're going to see it online in about 10 seconds. And she said, Prince passed. Yeah. So I said, I'm not seeing anything. And I went to my email and it blew up. Yeah. It was, yeah, it's just like a day will, I mean, and you, of course, knew him and stuff, but it's such a raw thing. And I feel like people that really knew him, like you did, have that reaction because he's just, I don't know. He was so, he was like a bigger than life guy and you guys had such a relationship yeah uh, and the tragedy is when you finally found out what what it was Mm -hmm. about yeah the tragedy was just how terribly common and destructive it is yeah because he just joined the ranks of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people now right because of this epidemic uh sweeping our country especially um has taken a toll on so many families and he just became part of it And it is unfortunate Mm -hmm. to have to have, you know, from all the years of, you know, I remember on Purple Rain, he's jumping from these speakers and landing on his heels. Mm -hmm. And um, that toll, you know, ankles, knees, hips needs to be addressed as you get older. Right. And for a doctor to address it that way is terrible. Yeah, I know. That was one of my thoughts when I was uh, at the very first panel that they had out at Paisley Park on the anniversary of his death, and they showed, um, like, the last half hour of the last 
Purple Rain, I think it was in Miami. I, I was like, I can't believe he was jumping right. eight feet yeah, yeah. and right. landing. I mean, what mm-hmm. he did physically, yeah. you know, just crushed his body. Yeah, and you you know, you're in the 20s, you're early 30s, you you're, you're jumping, you're not thinking about it. Exactly. But, but that, those fissures and the bone structures and everything else are going to take a toll in your 40s and 50s. Yeah. And, and then you still have to do it. Right. You're still, you know, required yeah. to still perform, give the audience what they're Was asking for. Was he that yeah. much of a perfect, I mean, he really did yes. give it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, when we toured between 1984 and 1989, um, Love Sexy, um, uh, Sign of the Times, um, you know, re- you rehearse every day. You change the show every day. You tweak it every day. Um, you make adjustments every day um, during the day. Then you go out and you perform that mm-hmm. night. It's videotaped. And then you tweak it again the next day. Right. So you're constantly adding, subtracting, and then tailoring and changing lighting and, and, and trying to catch those moments where you can really dazzle an audience. So yeah, there's a meticulousness, but it's a meticulousness born of a desire to get it right. right. And it's the same thing when we make the film. Right. You're, you know, you're in the editing room, you, your desire is to get it right. Your job is to get it right. right. That's the only job you have. So Prince took the job seriously, his bandmates took the job seriously, and so therefore, there you go. Yeah. We have um, we have to let you go. Okay, I do have just one question sure. um, for you, and thank you so much for spending time with us, Albert Magnoli. I'm, hey. I said it right, I, and you know I get a like a scary thing now that I'm going to say and call you Johnson or something crazy. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. But I want to know at the end of the day, how do you describe in just a couple words your relationship with Prince? Um, it was an extremely excellent collaborative experience when it came to the art form you know Mm -hmm. um for some reason the two of us always saw it immediately and it was right in sync um it was just one of those things we were able to look at each other and i go there's an opportunity let's do that okay yeah boom and the idea of you know i need i think the best answer to that is what i what i described i need music he understands what I need. He delivers it in 24 hours. That's rare. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's just rare. And it turns out to be when doves cry. <laughs> right. I know. So, right. I mean, it's understand, a the day before, there's no when doves cry. Right. It's not even, we don't need thought, it because right. I already made the scenes. The scenes are there. But when I decide that I'm going to turn these scenes into a montage and just use pieces of them and I just need a bridging music. Yeah. And, you go, and, we, and so I, I make the call. He says, okay, we talk about what the themes are. He goes, okay, he writes that afternoon. He produces that evening. He calls me the next morning and says, okay, I got two songs. Go over. Now, I'm not expecting anything else. This is how strange this is. You know, I'm not expecting that I have to wait for four weeks. No, isn't that cool? You guys were in sync. I'm I'm in the editing room the next Mm -hmm. day. I got to go to work. Yeah, right. And the funny thing is, when I did get the song, I went right over to the studio, the editing room, and, and put it together. And, and it about an hour late, yeah. Well, I'm now yeah. cutting it together. And an hour later, Bob Cavallo calls and says, "I hear there's a new song. Um, what What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And it's so funny because I, that's when I realized, oh, there's a reality to this. Yeah. I go, yeah, I got a new song, and he goes, "Don't you think I should hear it or something?" <laughs> you know, it's just a, a funny. I go, well. 
Come yeah. over and you'll see it cut into the show. Yeah. And it's just crazy to think about it because, let, can I tell you one more thing? You can, if, but your people want you to be done. Oh. No. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Oh, we, we got to do something else? You, yeah, you might be going somewhere else. All or, right. You're so, having drinks with somebody. Yeah. Okay. All people right. are so waiting so for you. So sorry. But All right. We've taken more time from you than we were supposed to. So are we appreciate okay? it. Someone needs to tell us something, Donnie. T- t- tell us something. One more minute. Okay, one, so- one, okay. Minute. one, 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 one more minute. story. This okay. is a great story. All right. How did this film I'm become how did the film become Purple Rain? Yeah. Why that title? This is how easy it is. As you as I told you, I didn't have that Purple Rain song. I knew we were missing that song, that quintessential song that tells his story in music. Okay, that journey of his film. We didn't have that song. That wasn't part of the hundred songs. Is it just Untitled Prince Project? Is that what yeah, it's Yeah, right called? at that moment. Okay. It's Untitled. <laughs> right. Okay. So on August 3rd, 1983, he performs at Paisley Park, and he's performing some of the songs that had already been selected. Let's Go Crazy, etc. Mm-hmm. Some old songs, some new songs that he just played. And I'm up in the mezzanine, and I'm, I'm there not only to hear the music, but I'm there to figure out if we're actually going to shoot in this club mm-hmm. and make that the, the hub of our movie. So suddenly there's this song that starts and my ears. Yeah, because that up. opening riff. Yeah, my ears pick up. I go, to the, I go to the railing, I look down, I listen to the song. I'm looking at the audience. The audience isn't moving because it's a new song. The audiences don't move when mm-hmm. there's a new song. So I'm thinking, I think that's the song. Mm-hmm. I go downstairs after the show is over and I go up to Prince and I go, okay, song about three back. It's, it's like a Bob Dylan ballad, you know, purple. What do, uh, he goes, yeah, 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 uh, um, yeah. It's Purple Rain. I said that's the song. Oh, oh my and he God. says, "Really?" And I go, "Yeah." And he says, "Are you kidding? I don't have to write a song." I go, "That's the song." And he goes, "Okay." And then he pauses and he says, "Hey, can we name the movie Purple Rain?" And I go, "Done, <laughs> done." Oh my God, perfect. That is so oh, great. Oh, I love it. What a treat. Thank okay, you so much. Thank you, Albert Magnoli. He will be at the Twin Cities Film Festival screening for Purple Rain tomorrow. You can line up starting at 5.30 at the Showplace Icon. And after the movie, there'll be a and a yes. And you'll be able to meet Albert and some of the other people. And it's totally free. Yeah, totally free. That's very cool. Thank you so much, Thank Albert. Thank you so much, Albert. We'll be right back with Hollywood Speak. So, what are you trying to say? Hollywood! Hollywood Speaking! What is the meaning of this? Oh, yeah. Oh, listen to this. Here's the quote from Justin Thoreau. Who says How are we moving on already? I'm still... Oh, because we've got to oh, move okay. on, Julie. we got to keep moving on. All right, fine. You know, but I didn't know the... Albert was going to be in studio. I thought I had told you, you that. You did tell us. It All says right, it right on the sheet of paper. Yeah. And then that's why you were yeah. teasing me about my jeans <laughs> and how ugly I look today. Well, I, I didn't know he was in studio for oh. you were going to meet your future husband. He, I would crush him. <laughs> Oh, not, stop. Not really. Stop it. Julia, I'm he's that. perfect. He, he lives in L.A. What a better boyfriend than okay, that. I'm just going to say he was so... Handsome. No, but wonderful. Wonderful, his yeah. stories yeah. about Prince and his life. You made and, him cry, Barbara I, Walters. I know, I didn't yeah, mean that to. that was quite emotional. Yeah. yeah. This will be it. You guys will want to listen to this hour again. It was yeah, pretty good. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. We, we done good, say, sister. Even if we say mm-hmm. so ourselves. <laughs> All right, I just want to move on to Hollywood speak. Too much emotion for me, Jules. Uh, Jennifer Aniston's <laughs> ex, Justin Theroux, says he's proud of her for joining Instagram. 
quote unquote, the world's about to learn what a hilarious woman she is. Okay. We already know this. He's so petty. What a way to dismiss her. How dismissive is that? She was in Friends. She was in the number one TV show of the world and made a million dollars per episodes. And we're just going to find out now no. that she's funny? Yeah. Um, screw you with the middle finger. Oh, thank wow. you, Julia. Holy tomatoes. I mean, come. That is so petty yeah, and dismissive. And then what did he say the first day that she got on Insta? Woot. Woot. He's a dank. Yeah, I know. And you she could got care so less. lucky that you got to ride on her coattails for four years, brother. Yeah. Or seven or whatever it was. And why do you need to be proud of her? Yeah. And why do you need to tell us? Do you got nothing going on since the leftovers? He's promoting. Uh, he's the one of the voices in the live action Lady and the Tramp. Oh, please. And why are people giving him jobs? Those <laughs> eyebrows can't speak that loudly. Okay, here's another one. Patty Lapone calls Andrew Lloyd Webber a sad sack. Okay, she likes to just put it out there. I love Patty Lapone. If you remember. Well, he criticized her diction in his memoir last year called Vida. Yeah. And she originated the role of Ava, Ava Perone on Broadway in 1979. Yes, and then he has her not star in the movie. He gives the role to, to Madonna. And no, to Madonna. Madonna, yeah. And she's giving a new interview with the New York Times Magazine. She goes, how could he talk about a Vita? The whole thing is sung. He's a jerk. He's a sad sack. He's the definition of sad sack. <laughs> I a love Vita it. was the best thing he and Tim Rice did, but the rest of it is schmaltz. <laughs> I love her. Well, I do love her, too. She is not like him because every time he does a movie version, I give you Sunset Boulevard and Evita, he puts in somebody else. Yes. He lets Patty originate on Broadway, and then he replaces her in the film. With Glenn Close, and then he, with um, Evita, it's with Madonna. And you remember what she said about Madonna's acting. Oh, ability. that was terrible. Yeah. But it was true. It was, it was true. It was true. So is it, uh, you don't, don't cry for me, Anyway, a sad sack. He's a jerk. He's a sad sack. Okay, Nicki Minaj married Kenneth Petty, but she won't be going by Nicki Minaj Petty, which is really making me sad because her brand is Petty. She, she lays down in the petty grass. She does love to get Petty, and she married a guy whose last name is Betty. She really... I, I, I have nothing to say. I know it. I'm I, speechless. Nikki Petty. When this marriage falls apart spectacularly, I hope she doesn't lose a lot of money. I hope there's a prenup. Yes, I would agree I hope, with you on that. Uh, whatever, but no, she's just going to stay Nikki Minaj. But I wish she'd be Nikki Minaj Petty because I do love that she gets in the Petty. She does. I like it too. Mm-hmm. She's been dating this shady dude for like less than a year. They went from casually dating to incredibly serious. Mm. That's Lori always a sign. Like I don't like that. This is, this is always yeah. my favorite thing about you, Lori, mm-hmm. is that you always say this, and then you met and married my brother in three months. But he was a vetted man because he was who my was brother. a firefighter. Was your brother? He was stable. a vetted he man. He was a vetted man, Julia. He was. There, you knew about him. Yeah, I knew about him. The yeah. other guy that I met and married very quickly on the heels of a of a of a long multi year yeah. relate that, that was, one was that was a disaster. That one moved too quickly. He was not a vetted man. No, he wasn't. No. Okay. Please um tell me this one. Give me a little Hollywood speak, if you will. Paula Abdul straight up was in the trash can. 
before she recorded it. You know, she's been making the rounds. Yes, yeah, she's on talk shows yes, for her Vegas show. Yes, I know. And and she's a sponsor of a new um thermo, you know, laser that's going to make your jawline sharper. Yeah. That's tightening your skin her on your jaw. Her mom played her the song. Her mom had a young assistant who walked up and said, Miss Abdul, my boyfriend's an aspiring songwriter. Would you take a listen? And she's like, well, who's he written for? Well, nobody. And so anyway, her mom came home and gave her this cassette tape, and it was straight up. It was like an eight-track recording, and the song was straight up. And Abdul, Paul Abdul, rescued that song, and it was went on to be on her 19... 88 debut album, which uh, straight up not tell me. I'm that's really right, forever your girl. Forever. And, uh, 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 uh. That's right. Anyway, that was 